Hello, welcome to Post Viral. Time to heal with Lindsay and Stu, where we discuss all the things we're learning as we recover from chronic fatigue syndrome. Just a reminder, this is not medical advice. We are all unique, so take what we say with a pinch of salt and listen to your body. We would always suggest you work with a trusted, qualified practitioner where that feels like the right thing to do. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Hey, Lindsay. Hi, how are you, Stu? Yeah, I am doing okay. Yeah, I feel that too. Yeah, Yeah, I'm doing okay. Uh, Just so the listeners know, it's taken us like a month since our intro was. (laughs) I was thinking one of the worst things about having chronic fatigue in this condition is where you make plans then you have the kind of anxiety around, should I do it? Should I not? Is it going to make me feel better? Make me feel worse? Uh, Like, do I commit? Do I not? Um, (laughs) And I definitely feel that a bit, like, I'm really excited about what we're going to talk about today, but um, like all plans and the joy of this condition. Yeah. It's such a hard decision. And I just feel like uh, usually the best like strategy is to err with caution. Like if you're really not feeling good, it's probably best to just rest because yeah if you're stressed out while you're doing the thing it's just going to make it worse but if you can really just do it and be in the moment then I find sometimes then it can be better but yeah I think so it's an art isn't it yeah and really accept that either way you're going to be okay oh nice tie in yeah how are you feeling about today's episodes talking about acceptance well, I told you, like, I I kind of made this onion, like, diagram of, like, the layers of acceptance. Um, this was all, like, a month ago when I, I felt really good. And um, I was so keen. And I read um, Tara Brock's book, Radical Acceptance. And I was just, like, every, like, few pages, I was like, ah, I gotta say that, gotta say that. But, yeah, I'm a little more distanced from it now. So maybe... Maybe that's a good thing. But yeah, acceptance, I think, is a good way to start off because it's the hardest thing, I would say, and it's the most important thing. What do you think? In a way, I think it's quite helpful that we've almost reflecting back on that state of mind and how I was feeling then with a bit of time. For me, I kind of think acceptance, it's not a once and done, is it? It's almost an ongoing choice. Oh, it's yeah. not about resignation that you know you're resigning yourself to this illness and this life but it is it's about accepting kind of the where you're at and the state you're in it's a ongoing choice and it's not easy well yeah and you've like feel you feel like you're so good at it and then you have a big crash or something and all of a sudden you're right back there in that desperation feeling of like somebody save me (laughs) (laughs) oh sounds so familiar (laughs) Um, but yeah, to kick us off, Lindsay, what can we learn from the animal kingdom about acceptance? Ah, well, I think we mentioned it in our first episode. Um, we were gonna we're gonna tie in my um, love of animals and animal analogies for 
um, different aspects of the illness. And then we're also gonna tie in Stu's amazing love and abilities um, with poetry as well, um, which will be at the end of this episode. So the first aspect we're talking about is acceptance. And the animal is, drum roll. <laughs> the butterfly. Oh. <laughs> yeah, the more I thought about it, the fact, the transformation aspect, the fact that like the butterfly, you know, accepts that it has to have this stage of cocooning, of rest, complete downtime in order to become its beautiful, true self. I felt like that really like, um encapsulated acceptance although cocoon is not the correct word for butterflies it's a chrysalis um yeah moths they cocoon moths cocoon and butterflies go in a chrysalis Ooh, i like that that's a nicer sounding word as well chrysalis (laughs) yeah weirdly over the course of the month different like butterfly facts have come my way that are relevant to um acceptance and oh, great yes so you start obviously butterflies start off as a caterpillar mm-hmm. um which is about two weeks where they voraciously eat everything that they can <laughs> and it's I only kinda, two weeks wow yeah i know they don't actually live very long like in total it's about a month and a half that a butterfly lives. Um, yeah, I kind of was thinking about the voracious eating kind of as like how we were before we were ill, this achiever pattern of like, nom, 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 I gotta yeah. eat up <laughs> the entire world. And they don't really know why they're doing it, but they just like keep eating. Um, but then after like two weeks, they start to go into their chrysalis. And then it's like a few weeks of okay. just, you know, they just have to grow and rest and accept that this is what's happening in their life. This is not what's going to happen forever. This is not accepting that this is their fate, of Mm. course, but they're accepting that this transformation time is necessary for them to become their true selves. Oh, nice. You get it. You get it. They're in there for a few weeks, which is actually quite a long period of time, considering their lifespan is only like a month and a half or so and I'm not saying that you're going to be sick a long time some of us are though but the most beautiful thing is when they become a butterfly when it happens butterflies are the full spectrum of colors and their intense amazing colors are either to scare off predators or to attract mates but I really like the idea of their full colors and yet at the same time they're also transparent you're gonna get see all these metaphors for me (laughs) as i'm building them (laughs) not only are they transparent insanely colorful but the colors and the transparency is between these little borders you know how they have like different like the little borders that separate the colors okay so those are their boundaries. <laughs> Look oh, at me making right, okay. all of these. So I was thinking about how, yeah, once we become our true butterfly selves, once we're able to get past this chronic fatigue and learn all the lessons that the universe is driving into us in the meanest way possible, <laughs> we're able to be our true selves, our beautiful, colorful selves, scare off the people that aren't worth our time. Um, keep within our boundaries 
and be able to mm. be transparent about our true selves. So anyway, those are all my little like insanely over anthropomorphizing and <laughs> metaphorizing. But um, anyways, <laughs> does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, you brought it home. Did I? Okay. Wow, that's so much already. Nice. I liked, I liked what you were saying about the amount of time that caterpillars stay in their chrysalis compared to all of the almost like achiever pattern, the consumption and the constant go, go, go drive before. Actually, mm-hmm. the rest stage is just as important and productive and it's given kind of more time or more attention, which um, throws into question, you know, how our world and our society and, you know, how we live, what we value culturally compared to in the animal kingdom. Absolutely. Yeah. Rest is definitely not valued in our culture and our society. And that's, that's spot on. I was listening today to um, an audible on anxiety by Barry McDonough, and uh, he was using the kind of age old quote of what you resist persists but what you accept transforms and so listening Mm. to your butterfly um I think yeah that's uh yeah pretty pretty relevant there yeah and that's really the whole thing about acceptance hey the quote that I love um about acceptance is the Carl Rogers one the curious paradox is that when I accept myself just as I am then I can change So excited to hear about this onion, Lindsay. Do you want to kind of give us the overview of what we're going to be talking about? Absolutely, yeah. So in my analysis of all the things that I felt like I've had to accept over the course of my illness, I found that there was kind of a layering (laughs) in terms of how they got deeper and deeper over the course of my illness. So that's why I came up with this analogy of the onion. Um, Why an onion? Um, If you saw Shrek, and you remember the donkey says, we have layers like an onion. So does acceptance. There's different layers of acceptance. So I'm just going to give you the five basic like headers and um, then through this episode we'll go into each of those five so first accepting the need to stop and number two accepting personal responsibility number three is accepting a new mindset and beliefs the fourth layer is accepting feelings your feelings and then the fifth deepest layer at the center of the onion is uh, accepting the purpose Mm. and we'll go into all that now very good looking forward to it and one thing I just wanted to say before we dive in is that so for me I'm two years into this illness Lindsay it's been six years for you and yeah. conscious there will be some people that potentially listening who it's been 20 years, 30 years, um, mm-hmm. sadly. And so with these states of acceptance we're going to be talking about, I think we continue to learn more about them as we go. And we may think we're there <laughs> and then uh, we continue to, to learn, you know, that next layer, that next um level yeah. So yeah I just wanted to to draw attention to that and say that but um 
yeah, why don't we, we dive into the first level of acceptance around needing to stop? What did that look like for you, Lindsay? Yeah, it was really interesting. When I was first sick, I went to a therapist because I was looking for a therapist. I knew I was kind of going crazy about this whole thing happening. Um, and I found a therapist who had had CFS. So I was like, perfect. So I went to her and I was like in a state in her office, just like, oh, I'm so sick and I can't, you know, doing the like, whole thing. And all she had to say to me was, I think you need to work on acceptance. It was so funny, the state I was in at that time, because I left that meeting like, with a big like F you, I am not accepting this. <laughs> that is not what I'm doing. I'm going to get through this. I'm going to um, beat this. I totally did not understand like, and she didn't obviously explain well what acceptance meant. So I really want to make sure that our listeners understand that acceptance has nothing to do with accepting that, oh, maybe I'll get better, maybe I won't. It's not really like that at all. Yeah. For me, that took me, I don't know for you, Lindsay, but like nine months at least for me. At the beginning, I was almost in denial, distracting myself. I mean, terrified as well about like what's the, the beginning of my illness, like what is going on. Doctors couldn't answer me doing numerous tests and kind of continuing trying to live my life as I knew it um yeah distracting myself pushing through trying to exercise I yeah the comfort eating as well and the drinking to kind of mm. numb the pain um yeah and it wasn't actually until I remember having a conversation with a friend um where just explaining everything going on and like her face was just so like the more I was talking just clearly really feeling for me through talking to her and talking about the state I was in it was like talking about another person and then being like mm. well of course to another person I would say here you need to stop mm. you need to stop working you need to realize that mm. you know this isn't necessarily going away and focus on your healing right now um and Gabo Marte who um, I talked about in the first episode he he says acceptance is showing the compassion to yourself that you would show to other people which is often mm. the hardest thing to do yeah. because even though we know something might be objectively true, we think, oh, but in my situation, I couldn't do that because I have to work or I have to, um, I'm this type of person, I'm a, uh, you know, a doer or I'm responsible for my family. And so in the needing to stop phase, I don't want to underestimate, there's a massive mental hurdle and almost an identity hurdle because there's probably a lot of guilt tied up in this. You might be, I don't know, a mum or you might be, mm -hmm. yeah, I feel like you're driving something forward at work or whatever it is and you need to actually say actually it's not self-indulgent to stop now to prioritize mm -hmm. my health actually I need to do this to accept where I'm at and it will equip me better to help others and myself in the longer term yeah well said for sure yeah I totally agree uh yeah that first year well when I had that first big crash again and then I still worked through that whole year full time and then I would just come home and I would just like go straight to bed and sleep and like stress really until the next work day and it was just constantly killing myself and yeah it took me at least like over a year and a half two years maybe even to like yeah to finally quit that job and 
start to just be like, okay, yeah, yeah. I need to show myself that compassion for sure. And you look back now and you think, how, <laughs> how did we go on? How did we do that? But um, yeah, the human body is incredibly resilient, I guess. It is. And like weirdly smart. Oh yeah. Yeah. hundred um, percent. And a big part of this stage for me was actually, I think just learning to be aware of my body and realize that you can't just push through this, but actually kind of taking notice of what's going on. Mm, for sure. Accepting, okay, right now my body is telling me something. I have insane fatigue. I need to do some things to work on it. I have all these symptoms. I need to work on this, but you're accepting I'm in this state. I will figure it out, but this is where I am right now. Like Tara Brock says all the things that acceptance is and acceptance is not in her book. So what it is, is bringing attention to our capacities and limitations without giving our fear-based stories the power to shut down our lives. But what it's not, what I see my brother doing a lot, unfortunately, he has MS. Um, and for him, um, he has a very fatalistic view of his life, which is like, well, this is my lot in life. Like, this is the way it's going to be. I'm, you know, I'm meant to suffer, you know, this, these things, like this is, you know yeah. what I mean? So look, that's so tough, isn't it? It's the healthy tension between you're not, it's not resignation, yeah, but it's that accepting what, how things are now, but not, but that things could be different in the future. Um, yeah yeah so yeah. not making what Tara Brock says it's not making us passive so um yeah it's more of a first step is like and then once we've done that acceptance then you're able to like smartly think about what action to take and it's not indulgent so I find what my brother does is it can be a little indulgent when my brother does this like no this is um, or it also, also with the eating, say you're addicted to eating or something, which is a problem I have sometimes you, it's not like, Oh, I'm just a compulsive eater. That's just the way it is. You know, like yeah. <laughs> it's not that. Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah. yeah. Well, and that, yeah. that was actually a big thing for me. I, I was kind of in, before I started to try and find a way out of this, you know, the miserable pit of, a, <laughs> of an illness, I was always someone that was like, oh, well, I just can't change my diet. I've like tried before and it hasn't worked. And I, I used to bite my fingernails quite a lot. And I would think, oh, I just, I've tried before, it's failed. I can't possibly do it. And then actually through learning more about acceptance, actually realized, oh, that's a story that I've told myself. And actually mm -hmm. I have a lot more um, agency here. And um, yeah, my nails are actually now quite nice. So oh, nice. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, the first layer, which we've covered pretty much is the need to stop, stop pushing, to stop clawing, to stop that desperate feeling. Whenever you can stop and realize I'm being desperate right now, <laughs> that's really like something you have to stop and be like, okay, how can I investigate this from a curiosity it's a chance to look at yourself like, what am I doing? I'm doing like fear. I'm doing guilt. I'm doing, 
embarrassment that I'm still sick. I'm doing anger that I'm sick. I'm doing frustration. And once you acknowledge and like accept that this is kind of the way you're living, then you're able to make changes. But yeah, well, then it leads into like the second one, which I think you're really good at explaining, which is personal responsibility. So I'll let you go for that. Okay. Um, So for me, I accepted that I needed to stop. And so what that looked like is giving up a lot of independence. Um, I stopped working. I moved back home. I committed to the CFS health program, which is quite a substantial financial investment and almost quite a big mental investment to think, well, okay, I, I do have a chronic health condition here that needs mm-hmm. proper investment and work and time and focus in order to, to get better. I don't think it was like a quick transition for me from kind of giving up on all the doctors and all the tests and things I was doing. But I slowly realized that sadly, Western medicine, Mm. they're not, they're not set up in a way to help chronic conditions particularly easily. I don't think my doctor friends would mind Mm. me saying this in that they are incredibly time poor and often chronic conditions are very complex. It's not just one thing necessarily that's happened. It's a whole combination of different things. Um, and sadly, there's no universally accepted test for diagnosis and no simple pill to bring us mm-hmm. out of it. So you almost do have to become your own advocate and your own doctor and your own captain to yeah. say, right, this is the state my body's in. I obviously don't want to stay like this. I want to get somewhere else. How do I get there? Gemma Hanley, who's a, a brilliant coach that both um, Lindsay and I are big, big fans of, um, she talks about if the kind of the actions and thoughts that you've had so far have led to a certain set of results, can you change what is leading to those results? And that comes from a place of, you know, personal responsibility and accountability, because um, sadly, no one else can do that for you. Uh, mm-hmm. is that right? What do you think, Lindsay? I'm sure you, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, no, no, no. I think that's all really good. I think that there's a few things there that as a person who's like a big, um, social justice warrior and a person who's believing that people deserve all the resources that they need, sometimes it can feel a little bit intense to the personal responsibility thing because, we're not saying it's your fault is one of the biggest things yeah. to emphasize. Like, I think it is important to reflect on the factors that got you here. But at the same time, like you were saying about compassion, it's not your fault. This is society mm. got you here. <laughs> your parents got you here. Um, yeah. A lot of, lot of factors um, yeah. got you into this situation. Biases. But ultimately, you got yourself here, too. And ultimately, you are going to have to get yourself out of it, which to me was really like jarring because I think we do we do need all these resources. I mean, look how much CFS help health helped us and like so lucky we could afford that. But some people can't. But what they're teaching you in this program is you have to change yourself. Give yourself your power back in the situation. You're not only externally looking like who can help me who can help me who can help me but like what can I do what resources can I take advantage of in order to help myself from a like curious point of view not a 
oh God, this better save me kind of thing. Yeah, and like understand that there's always choices. There's always a choice. So anyway, those are all. No, I think that's, that's a really important point. Thank you. It's not about blame of like, you know, blaming yourself for what you've done before. I mean, you may have limited options because yeah, sadly, this is a, a debilitating illness, but um, yeah. there are still some options within that, which is not always easy to, to see. I remember having a conversation with one of my friends who has twins and she was talking right. to me very openly about how it was difficult because she saw mums with one child um, and like she felt, oh, I can't necessarily do all the things that I'd like to with um, because I you know, I have to juggle two children and I can't give them both the same attention. But what I was talking about that I, I'd been thinking about was how powerful it can be to focus on what you can do. So even when your choices are limited and what you can do because you haven't got the energy, there are still things you can do. And that perspective change as, um, I mean, it sounds we're chucking a lot of like fridge magnet quotes at you but <laughs> I do think it does it, it for me it really helped and I know for her after she reflected yeah. on it it really it really helped um her too and the other thing I was, I was thinking as you're talking there with personal responsibility James Clear he writes this brilliant book um, called Atomic Habits which is it really helped me thinking about I can't necessarily change my habits that actually breaks down the science of this is how you can can do it one of the things he says is that almost no one wishes that they've waited longer before they start something which mm-hmm. um is really true I think in my life so many things that I've put off put off put off when I've done it I'm like oh why didn't I do that sooner yeah but I'm sure he talks about it in his book I'm just assuming that but like why what is it that's stopping you like why are you in this and like really get down to your psychology of like oh, I was using this as a comfort because this is hard. And it's true, it is hard, so hard. Nothing we're talking about is easy. (laughs) So I think that like that leads really well into our next level because once you've kind of taken that personal responsibility of like, I've taken my power back, I'm gonna find a way to cure myself from a curious point of view then it just leads into a whole set of new mindset and new beliefs. The main thing is that belief that you can heal. Yeah, that's massive. It sure took me a long time to truly believe it. You know what I mean? Like it's, you hear so many stories of people who've been sick for so long that it's really hard, but you gotta believe it. You can heal and you will heal. That's why we were emphasizing last episode. Keep watching those recovery videos of people who have recovered. Um, And I think with that too, that accepting your mindset and your belief systems, the knock-on effect that has to your health, mm -hmm. almost how you got to where you got to um, because of your beliefs and thoughts and your mindset. I know different people have different experiences with um, brain retraining programs and neuroplasticity. The idea being that you, your body and your brain are intrinsically linked and the thoughts that you have mm-hmm. do have that knock-on impact onto your body and can either feed stress in your nervous system or feed healing into it. So I think I, I agree. Realizing that this could be true for me, that I could recover was really big. We'll and recover. We'll recover. We'll recover. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it is good because it's yeah. still a choice, isn't it? Yeah. In terms of 
I, it's the responsibility that is a day by day conscious decision. I do think there's a there's this big link between your mindset, your beliefs, and your health. And um, yeah, knowing that you are um, or you you can get there. Yeah, like I, I mean, I, as I said last episode, I isolated myself on this island for three years, um, away from friends, away wow. from other people, um, just in this like stubbornness of I'll heal myself in nature. Um, I, I don't, but really I was avoiding, I didn't want to be around my friends doing fun things. I was avoiding you know, anybody having to take care of me, I didn't want to, to be that person, quote unquote. And really, my mindset, oh, it was so depressing, <laughs> being there all by myself. Yeah. For three years. <laughs> I'm not surprised. It affects your, it affects your health so much. Yeah. <laughs> and I just like, it was so hard to make friends because I was so sick. And then it's the cycle, right? Because then you get sicker. Yeah, no, I, I think environment is something uh, we all go on to talk about in this podcast series, no doubt, and how important that is but mm. yeah because it's all it's all linked isn't it as you're saying um and and what you were getting out there as well like isolating yourself away so not to be a burden i suppose counterintuitive one again where it's like you take responsibility by accepting that actually for a while you may need to be cared for by others mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> which, i know it was so hard for me yeah and i'm sure mm-hmm. a lot of people listening they're kind of type a personality achiever personality maybe caregiver as well and used to taking care of others and so that you know needing to have honest open conversations with friends with family with with work whoever it is that's Mm -hmm. yeah that's really crucial but Mm -hmm. again not not an easy one well it's actually like so huge and it was a big change for me and i i do think it was our lovely jenna hanley who really she makes you go down layer by layer of like what if this what if this and she goes so what so what and every layer you get down like what if I'm like bed bound and then so what it's really hard because you're like I want to live my life you start to realize like oh like there is an element of not seeing myself as worthy if I'm a person who is bed bound or I don't yeah. feel like I deserve to like be cared for or as a burden. I don't feel like I have intrinsic mm-hmm. value and those are totally incorrect. You are worthwhile as a person just because you are a person and y- you don't even know the effect you could have on other people's lives, even if you're bed bound. Like, yeah. It's quite amazing, actually. I feel like since I've been sick, I've been able to help more people in my life than before, which is when I was like, I want to help people. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Um, I was just going to ask, uh, you explained this quite well, about acceptance, thinking about kind of beliefs and um, of suffering versus pain. You, Yeah. Um, yeah. In terms of pain and suffering for me, that was, that was a Buddhist concept that for some reason it was a huge click. And some of these things just have to click in your mind to cause real change. It's a Buddhist knowledge that like pain does not equal suffering. Suffering is a mindset. Anything that we feel we're out of control of, we can construe into a suffering, right? So for me, I used to have quite a lot of pain, especially in my legs, um, a lot of fibromyalgia like pain. But interesting when I was like, okay, 
but the suffering is actually a choice. Like, obviously this is to a point, like if you're <laughs> in extreme pain or, um, and we're talking about like chronic pain, but the suffering is a choice and you can be like, Hey, I feel pain, but I don't have to suffer. I don't, I'm, I'm making that choice. And to me, that somehow made a huge difference. And I have like no pain anymore, well, pretty yeah, much. Yeah. So, I mean, I still have some issues, but it's, yeah, it is. It's weird. I don't know. It, it really was a click moment for me. So, yeah, that's one thing. It just, there's little things within this mindset and new beliefs like that one that can really help you. And that quite nicely brings us on to the next level stage or onion layer four <laughs> around accepting how you feel and say no to toxic positivity to constantly, you know, what we're not saying here is saying, oh, well, you're in pain, but it's okay because you might just feel think better. Positive. Yeah, just yeah. think positive. It's not as bad as it could be, or you might change tomorrow, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, oh, doesn't it suck when someone says those things to you? Like, yeah, oh, but exactly. at least you're... Da-da-da. The at least, I think, is I, I do that so much when I'm talking to people or I'm trying to kick myself out of a bit of a slump um, or like rationalize something to myself. I'll often go to that. Oh, well, at least, you know, I've got yeah. this, at least I've got this, which I think, you know, to, gratitude is really powerful mm-hmm. and there is a time and a place for it, mm-hmm. but also it can be incredibly toxic mm-hmm. and um, unhelpful to just deny yeah, how totally. you're feeling. I feel like it was so interesting, the progress of my illness, because I did a brain retraining course like three, yeah. three years ago or so. So that was very much the the level up of the, we were talking about new mindset, new beliefs, really instilling in you so deeply that like, I am healthy. You're like saying it over and over. I'm fine. I'm fine. Any sad emotion, angry emotion, you're supposed to just like push it aside and put yourself into happy mode. Right. It did work for me for a while. Like I was getting better and better and better. And it feels good when you're doing it. But then I had a huge crash again. It was like a drug change. And my body crashed and oh my God, like picking myself up out of that depression, out of that. Yeah. And that's really when I learned just within the last year and a half, the importance of hold on, like, yes, all that positive psychology stuff is all well and great, but you actually also need to feel your feelings first. (laughs) Like you need to listen to your body give yourself a little bit of time to feel those feelings and then you'll notice that they'll actually pass. It's actually something with grieving they found in grief science that like people need to be able to express how they feel, to feel how they feel, to be comforted in order to get past this terrible stage that they're in. No, completely. I mean, I was thinking as you're saying that there is a grief cycle to this illness isn't there there's uh that you go through you grieve all the things you've lost but yeah the i mean i felt like my body was so foreign (laughs) to me until i started to pay attention really i fortunately didn't go straight into the um positive thinking your way out of um of this thing um but like had to really almost learn to get to know myself like physical sensations in my body you know pain but also other feelings too mm-hmm. yeah my history with um anxiety and what that can look mm-hmm. like and having panic attacks at different points i think that's been 
I remember I got to a point where I was like, oh, maybe the anxiety and the chronic fatigue are linked. <laughs> like, that was a revelation for me. But it's like, well, obviously, they're both happening in your body. Your body stores up all these things. And I suppose, you know, we talked about trusting your gut a bit in the first episode. And that, I think, comes down to listening to your body. Try things, be curious, maybe try different like foods or supplements or um, whatever it is. But your body is intelligent and your body will give you information. And then it's up to you what you do with that information. You know, it's all it's all learning. You either take that on board or you you don't. Yeah, totally. Yeah. My friend who's recovered from CFS after like 10 years, she was sick. And um, yeah, she said that to me, like, your body knows what's wrong. Like, and I was like, ah, oh, it's so weird for you to say that. Just literally Thursday found a specialist who validated that my neck was a huge part in my illness. It's just so interesting. So validating that. Yeah, I kind of always knew that. But learning <laughs> to really listen to yourself is... Oh man, that's, that's, it's really challenging. Yeah. And it is funny that not, um, <laughs> it sounds a bit harsh, but it is funny that it takes an external specialist, you know, quote unquote, to like come in and tell you almost what you already know. Like yeah. <laughs> you already knew it, but to really, to be like, right. Yeah. Vindicated. Now let's do this. Well, yeah. Like, cause it's like, how am I? And I actually, about three years ago, after my car accident, went to another therapist who was like a somatic one. Cause I was already interested in this, like, idea that emotions manifest in your body and stuff like that but then and she was like oh so where in your body do you feel that and I was like I don't know like I just couldn't like I wasn't able to like tune in at all and I didn't even get what she was trying to get me to do at that point so um anyway we're going to talk more on another episode right. all about like how to both get more in touch with your feelings and also like how to process them because i think there's like yeah. a whole episode there so we just wanted to bring it up as a layer a layer of like i think that's the yeah second last layer of accepting is accepting that not only do you have to change your mindset and beliefs and stuff but you have to also accept that your body is telling you something and all yeah. these feelings are based in some kind of truth. Yeah. Thoughts aren't it. always yeah. based in truth, I would say. It's that's very important. like uh, <laughs> our thoughts are, are definitely sometimes ridiculous, but our feelings are based in some kind of truth. Yeah, I think so. And I think for me, I know like with my anxiety, it's, um, it's <laughs> been banging on the door for quite a while <laughs> and it takes a while to, to pay attention. The last one is accepting this feeling that there's a purpose to all this. Accepting, this is a really hard one when you're sick. You're probably, you could be out there being like, screw you, Lindsay. But it's truly only now that I feel like, knock on wood, I'm coming out the other side, that I can be grateful for everything I learned through this. Yeah. <laughs> that suffering actually creates more robust people more resilient people the more you struggle the more potential you have mm. but yeah if you're not winning you're learning is what they say in cfs health that's massive and it's the thing you hear from a lot of these recovery stories people saying it's very difficult for you to hear when you're still in it but um when you're out the other side you reflect and you think you don't mm -hmm. wish it on anyone but equally it's made you who you are 
and almost like why why do you love yourself why are you proud of yourself we'll look at everything you've overcome and what it's shaped you into but I mean actually similarly I I mean I I don't know where I am in my healing journey recovery journey like everyone I think it's kind of ups and downs but there's um still a huge amount I'm grateful for even within this and within the suffering (laughs) as you say or the pain sorry we should say and there was a while where I was quite grateful for everything I learned about kind of like my mindset and well who am I yeah that Mm -hmm. period in my life where I could pause and reflect Um, and I felt grateful for that but I was still in a season of like and when I get better and when I get better I'm going to do this and when I'm going to get better Mm -hmm. and then over summer I got into a nice place of actually even in the pain finding purpose and enjoying the everyday now and so not not just waiting until I'm better but actually finding that purpose at the moment and becoming the version of yourself you want to become today which was a pretty big one and I mean I'm not saying that yeah I live that every day (laughs) and there's a lot of misery in that too and I also feel like yeah I don't think these are cyclical these stages but I know that there will be another level of gratitude and probably purpose in my journey but yeah there is light and there is hope and there is joy within um, oh my god so much like without this I never would have met you. Yeah. I never <laughs> I never would have gotten the chance to make a podcast, which I always wanted to do. I mean, e- even this, like, I was not, the, and this is, again, a story to myself, I was not the type of person to make a podcast because cringe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, are you putting yourself out there like that? So, um, yeah, I completely agree. Yeah, there's um, so many changes. I'm grateful for you, Lindsay. I'm grateful for you, Stu. Okay, well, let's <laughs> don't let, sing. <laughs> let's end. Oh, well, don't worry. Um, yeah, let's end it on um, a poem by you, which I think. I mean, this poem. Every time I hear it, I like it was well up in tears. Oh. I'll just let you go at it because it's such a beautiful poem, and yeah, do your thing. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, this is called The Unlearning, which um, hopefully captures some of what we've talked about in terms of the acceptance and grieving process um, of what it's like to live with chronic fatigue. So yeah, The Unlearning. Forget what you think, forget what you eat, forget 6.30 starts, forget your routine, forget your job, forget the gym, forget cycling to work and emails first thing. Forget those long runs, those moments of bliss. Forget living abroad, forget traveling. Forget that gym bod, forget Thursday Chinese. Forget chicken and cashew nuts binging TV. Forget swiping through apps and after work drinks. Forget icy cold beer and a second to relax. Forget tequila shots on impromptu nights. Forget dancing and swaying through Brixton's lights. Forget lying hungover next to a familiar stranger. Forget annual work parties and forget social smoking. Forget the life that you've built. Forget the path you were on. Forget the house and the spouse and the kids with the lawn. Forget it all before 30, a mortgage and fences. Forget acting as if there are no consequences. Forget shrugging it off, for it's a lot. To forget so much all the things that you've lost, more than you realised you had, and instead be glad for the little things gained as you shed all this weight. Forget negative patterns. Forget destructive behaviour. Forget people-pleasing and perfectionist labour. Forget all those fears, your underlying beliefs. Forget FOMO missing out and pent up old griefs. Forget toxic relations and unhelpful prognoses. Forget foregone conclusions and the body you're supposed to have. Forget working yourself raw for approval and applaud. As anxiety consumes, forget the things you should do. For this is what chronic fatigue can do to a person. 
As the pain and the fog and the fatigue tirelessly catch up with the you who's been running your body into the ground year after year, round after round, your identity whittles down to find a foreign core that you'll slowly build up into something new. Keep hope, keep faith, keep confidence and perseverance, keep rest, keep meditation and keep relaxation. Keep your emotions, claim those emotions, keep meaningful presence, keep good friends, keep purpose, keep daily intentions, keep veggies, keep nuts, keep healthier options, keep vitamins and minerals and experiment with supplements, keep fresh air and sunshine and time spent in silence, keep questions, keep curious and keep expert guidance, keep moments of joy in the great outdoors, keep pausing to taste before swallowing mouthfuls, keep loving yourself, forget expert guidance, keep gratitude, keep smiling and keep hold of kindness, keep hoping and dreaming, keep dancing and boogieing, keep listening to your body and following your intuition keep believing that one day life will be so much more keep living each day like it already is Yay! thank you yeah. <laughs> oh, it makes me so emotional <laughs> it's so funny when i show it to people and they're like yeah nice that's so good and i'm like but aren't you crying <laughs> <laughs> no i mean i wrote it for people oh gosh, don't get it so that are healthy understand but yeah, it has been incredibly rewarding and touching and sad to see it resonate. People who I don't know mm. who sadly are going through what we are going through. And that's funny because that highlights like another acceptance thing is that you got to accept that like other people are never going to get it. But yeah. really just actually people who get it, get it. And you don't need other people to um, get it in order to get better. Yeah. But find your community of people who do get it. I think that is um, that yeah. is important. Um, yeah, and that for me, like finding you was so key because, like, yeah, my friends are amazing, truly amazing. Mm. But they don't, they'll never get it. Like as much as they're compassionate, great listeners. Um, so just one last thing, I guess, is um, resources. Um, I talked about. Tara Brock's book, Radical Acceptance, which I think is really beautiful. She also has a podcast. Yeah, uh, a few Instagram accounts. I know the holistic psychologist, Alex Howard, uh, Young Pueblo, a few mm -hmm. of them. They just like put some good snappy, it depends on like different people have different relationships with social media, but sometimes mm -hmm. it helps if you're just scrolling to see something feel less alone feel uplifted and they do some good acceptance stuff. oh and I'll, I'll put a picture of my onion up <laughs> yeah different. do it yeah that's good i think uh yeah we'll bung it all into the the show notes um but yeah hopefully you have found this helpful we do appreciate that this episode is probably being quite theory heavy like a lot of concepts um mm -hmm. being thrown at you because really we've kind of covered the whole <laughs> journey that we've been through yeah and in upcoming episodes i think we will be unpacking a bit more practically some more practical examples so hopefully mm -hmm. we haven't scared you off mm -hmm. we'll be back soon with our next episode yeah. which tbc <laughs> everything's so important it's like what order should we do it in <laughs> yeah. we will uh, keep you guessing but um yeah, yeah hopefully you will tune back in for that. Yeah, thank you for listening. <laughs> yeah, I love you all.